Well, it's noon here in Ventnor, New Jersey and in West Virginia, and this is news that you can use from Car Edge, and today your hosts are, well, myself, Ray, and the lovely F&I goddess herself, Miss Kimberly Klein, ladies and gentlemen. How are you today, Kimberly? I am so happy to be here. I know that the wonderful Zach is doing business as we speak. So he, I'm glad I'm here. Always doing business. He, indeed he is. Indeed he is. How are you today, Ray? Uh, you know, I am well. I'm back in my in my uh, apartment uh, in Ventnor. Glad to be home. I was glad to get home late yesterday. Um, as as much fun as it was to sit down and do an interview with Fox News in Washington, oh, D.C. Yes. yesterday. It was equally as fun to actually get back to my apartment. I'm sure. Well, I can't wait until that comes out. I'm sure we'll all get a link for it, but how fun and yeah. exciting that is. I, I, you know, Zach, in his infinite wisdom, even though he's traveling to New York today, mm-hmm. he came up with, well, our first topic for the show today. Okay. Is, and, and I, and I believe I have to, I, I have to share my screen. So we're going to, we're going to see Let's if do I, it. Oh, that was the wrong button. Uh <laughs> So we're gonna we're gonna hit uh, and we're gonna hit share screen. Oh my god, um, entire screen, and then we're gonna click on that, and then we're gonna hit share, and we're gonna Bam. go up here. And this was from Automotive News today, and mm-hmm. this was very interesting, you know, because I I worked when I initially got into the car business. I represented Dodge and Subaru, but ultimately I found a career with a Nissan dealership outside of Atlantic City, New Jersey. It was Datsun then, and I spent 12 years there. So this is kind of near and dear to my heart because I've seen Nissan go through challenges in the past. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nissan credit rating cut to junk by S&P with profit sales seen remaining weak. Nissan's profitability will continue to lag behind its competitors for the next one to two years, standards and poor said, uh, as supply chain issues persist. Mm. Um, you know, that's that's a pretty scary headline when you consider that Nissan is still, I think, considered one of the world's uh, preeminent um automobile manufacturers you know maybe not to the same degree as as uh, BMW or Mercedes-Benz yeah. or even Honda or Toyota yeah but- <clears throat> it's funny you say that i also when i started into this industry in 2002 i started with Nissan and and Nissan has always been a little bit near and dear to my heart too and i wish that they would bring back the Xterra it, yeah, it was a gas guzzler, had some issues, but man, I love that that vehicle. And it got me through some big Cleveland snowstorms. I love the Xterra. But yeah, Ray, getting getting moved down in the credit rating to junk. Yes. Not a good thing. Not a good look for Nissan right now. No, and, and they, you know, they have had some some difficulties. Um since uh, Goshen uh, was arrested and then mm-hmm. eventually escaped Japan. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, they've been in several different alliances. They were uh, affiliated with Renault at some point in time. And, um, you know, they, they've just had a number of, of issues. But, I mean, I can honestly tell you, I, I started with them in 1977. and, and, and <laughs> A little bit before me, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. And represented the brand for 12 years till 1989. <laughs> Uh-huh. And, you know, one of the 
one of the key um, vehicles that they came out with at the time was yeah. the Pathfinder. And, and you know, it was, that was a pretty remarkable vehicle at the time. I, I remember a commercial where there, people were driving it through South America, going through, all off-road. There's a kid in the back seat with an ice cream cone and the ice cream pop, <laughs> you know. But it was just, it, it was, it was a, it was a vehicle that was well before its time as far as off-road capabilities and being built on a truck chassis. And, and you know, they did a lot of innovative things. The, the Z car, um, when they yeah. brought it back again. Um, so it's, it's, it's disturbing to me from having cut my teeth in the business representing the brand to see them struggling again. Yeah, they, they've had issues and, and like every manufacturer, they've made mistakes along the way. And some of the cars they brought out didn't necessarily make a lot of sense. I mean, before you represented uh, Nissan, I mean, there were there were vehicles like in the late 70s, early 80s, the F10. And it was a it was just one of the ugliest vehicles I'd ever <laughs> seen and driven. And as uh, somebody said, one of the I think it was the service manager at the dealership, he said, the F10 is the answer to the question that nobody ever asked. Mm -hmm, it yeah. was just, it, it made no sense at all. Um, that and the Stanza wagon. And, the Stanza. Uh, oh, I mean, just just some incredibly bad vehicles <laughs> over, <laughs> yeah. over the course of their history. Hey, yeah. And I got to say, the Juke, okay? So let's fast forward a little bit. I yes. think the Juke got... Uh, the worst looking vehicle award. It was the ugliest vehicle, wasn't it? It, it? it still is. Um, they, you know, they, they've, they've had their challenges, but they've had some real winners. Um, they have. You know, I loved my Murano. I had a 065 Murano that I loved, and yeah. I loved the Xterra. They did have some winners, Ray. They, they really did. The Z car, um, uh, there were just a bunch of 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 good cars. The Maxima. Oh was, yeah. Okay. Yes. Let's was go back and to always, the Maxima. Yeah, that that's always been a, a wonderful car. Um, yeah. So to see them struggling right now, that's that's really a little unnerving. At least at least for me. Um, I, I I wanted to pull something up from the chat if I can. Uh, from Taker Six Ten. Thank you very much for the donation. Thank you. Um, I, I guess this is the uh, the uh, has really hammered the IRA has really hammered Hyundai and Nissan oh. EVs. That would be the Inflation Reduction Act. Oh. Um, well, yes, uh, because the, the the prospect of the act was to reward vehicles that were either manufactured in this country or they had to have a certain percentage of like their battery components and things like that that were that were mined or manufactured here and, and Hyundai and Nissan uh, apparently are not meeting that criteria at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there was that little hiccup there, if you want to call it that with going uh, that happened with yes. Nissan, Nissan as well. And he, it, it was very dramatic, you know, he made his escape. I mean, in Japan, he was put in prison in solitary confinement for 130 days. And I know I'm getting off track. But fun fact, 
they said that this Nissan executive was making five times what Toyota president, the president of Toyota was making in the millions and millions of dollars. So point is Nissan has had its share of problems. And they, they do, and, and they will continue to. Um, I agree that the old B210, gosh, I remember that vehicle so well. And their small pickups <laughs> were all great. Never should have changed the name and definitely should not have gone in uh, the Renault. I okay. will tell you that when I first started at the Nissan store uh, outside of Atlantic City, it was uh, at that time it was Admiral Dotson at Route 9 in the Black Horse Pike in Pleasantville, New Jersey. And I was living in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Um, and I had a demo. And at that time they had those small pickup trucks and they had uh, the King Cab. The King Cab. And I, and I thought, I thought, okay, this will be fun to drive. So I took the King Cab as a demo, and I used to drive on the White Horse Pike, which is not a particularly nice road. And uh, every time I would hit a bump, my head would hit the ceiling, would hit the roof. <laughs> it was like, oh my god, I was like this driving, and it was, but but it was such it was such a cool looking car, uh, <laughs> truck. I, I loved the concept of it, um, but. Oh my goodness! And I and I'll share a, a a quick story because well you know me that that's the kind of person I am. Yeah, yeah. So I remember that we we did a a promotion, and we were selling cars for like two hundred or five hundred dollars over invoice, and we had it painted on the windshields of cars the amount of money over invoice, and and then we we. We were changing the program, and somebody had scraped the amount of of how much over invoice off and, of the yes, and, <laughs> and and I'll never forget this. The the press of Atlantic City, which was the local newspaper, they they came in and they interviewed me, and they did a story about uh, the title of the story was "It Takes Two to Make a Trustworthy Transaction," because I I was talking about how you, you know you. you there has to be a little bit of trust involved in doing this. So sure. they took a picture of me on the lot pointing <laughs> to these line of pickup trucks. And all it said was over invoice. Didn't say how much. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, yeah, <laughs> we'll sell you any one of these trucks for over invoice. Just don't ask me how much over invoice. <laughs> that is the epitome of bad timing there, right? Oh my gosh. Doing a story on trust and yes. somebody came along and scratched off the number so that they all said over invoice and you yes. did an interview. Yes. Yes. I'll, I'll never forget the, you know, at that time you were allowed to smoke inside dealerships can you and imagine I, and i was a heavy smoker and uh, i had a a cup of chamomile tea and i'm puffing away and and the reporter said to me she said she said, it just seems so so hectic and so challenging she said have you ever thought about leaving the car business and my response was you can leave your wife but you can never leave the car business <laughs> Well, I was engaged to Suzanne, my wife at the time, I'm sure she and, loved and she saw that line oh, in the newspaper, yeah. 
And she was not pleased. <laughs> I can imagine that Suzanne was not pleased. And I would venture to say she let you know it, too. Uh, she did. Uh, you know, I don't think she ever let me forget it. Uh, <laughs> but, but that's a story for another day. I, I wanted to, I wanted oh, to talk God. about, uh, believe it or not, uh, an organization in Canada. And I, I'll share my screen again. Okay. All right. Canada. We're going to move uh, to Canada here. Well, we are because, you know, we have a lot of Canadian followers. We do. We really do in the community. But I, and I thought this was really an interesting article. And the reason I think it's interesting is because it can be reflective of what we might see here in the States. Okay. Auto Canada, which is the largest publicly traded automobile group in Canada, mm -hmm. um, their net income plunged 79% on used Ooh. vehicle write-downs and floor plan costs. Uh, they still made money, just n nowhere near to the degree ah. they had made it before. Now, what I thought was interesting about the article was the fact that they had used car write-downs. And I don't know. Um, I'm going to stop sharing it for a second. Okay. I, I, I don't know that we've ever really discussed write-downs. Yeah, used. Put, yeah, if you could explain what used car write-downs, what is that? What What that means is... If a dealership bought vehicles or a vehicle for, say, for $40,000 when they bought it, uh, either they traded it or they bought it at the sale and they thought that was the correct wholesale market for that vehicle at the time okay. and when they, when they traded it or bought it, and then the market crashed to a degree, <clears throat> and let's say its real value 30 days after they bought it was only $35,000. So what a lot of dealerships do is they'll take a look at their inventory and they will adjust it to what the appropriate amount should be mm -hmm. in today's market. So if you're taking write downs of hundreds of millions of dollars, okay, for okay. instance, this, this could impact a company like Carvana, uh -huh. okay, who, as we know, buys high because yep, they, yep. they tend to want to pay more than the other retailers out there. Uh, if, if they buy high and they don't sell it quickly enough, traditionally what you would do is you would write down that inventory and bring it into what current market conditions are so that um, what you can sell it. Because if you, if you bought a vehicle for $40,000 mm -hmm. and you wanted to sell it for, for 44, but the, the wholesale value is only now 35 and the right. retail value is only say 39. Well, you can't be sitting there trying to sell for 44. If, if the real retail money on it's 39, right. So you have to, you have to adjust the value of your inventory. You have to take that loss on paper. Right. And the other reason you have to do it, is so the salesperson is is motivated enough to sell it because if there's no profit in it and salespeople get paid a percentage of profit, what's in yeah. it for them? All <laughs> those salespeople. Yeah. Now, so, I mean, I know you have a, what's you have a write down then. Yes. So so you so you adjust your inventory to the current market conditions as to what it really is worth. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's, that's a common practice um, in, in a lot of dealerships. Um, and I just thought it was fascinating that 
if the largest retailer in Canada has seen their their wholesale floor planning costs, their their costs to their. finance their cars mm -hmm. go up, and that the value of their cars has declined, that between that floor plan interest going up and having to write down the the value of, of their remaining inventory, that's a huge significant that's, decrease. It sure is. Yeah, I mean, we were talking hundreds of millions of dollars there. And and I would think that's going to happen here. I would think so too with used vehicles. And I think I saw Igor saying the same thing in in chat. Um, now I, here's here's an interesting thing I want to throw at you, right? Okay. That's in this article that I kind of picked up on. Despite the this is what they're saying. Despite the current challenges, Anthony said the company continues to move further into the used market in pursuit of growth. So they're leaning in. They're still leaning in to the used car market. And we see ourselves as being a hybrid of a lot of the largest auto retailers in the United States. We want a bunch of new car dealerships and a bunch of used car dealerships that both sell online and in store. So despite this, Ray, there's the, the, the question that I would, would have loved to ask this gentleman is when you say you're leaning into more used cars, are you being more cautious as to what you are willing to pay for or, or how much you're willing to trade for these cars? Um, you know, in, in many cases at the, auctions i i have seen um some information where a lot of dealers are actually bidding over retail numbers in order to get some of these used cars well if if you're paying more than retail mm -hmm. what are you going to sell it for i, I mean what, yeah what what can you sell it for i mean so would it make more sense for dealerships to be more I guess conservative in mm -hmm. the amount of dollars they're willing to spend for cars. And I know, I know part of the mindset is, well, if, if I don't buy this car, yeah. someone else will, and it's one less car that I'll have to sell. And, and so the herd mentality that happens is everybody just keeps overbidding because they're certain they won't, there won't be anything for them if they don't. Yeah. Um, but FOMO. Yeah. But what would happen if, if they they just backed off and let those who want to overbid overbid and and you buy the rest and even if even if the rest isn't as nice as what they're overbidding on mm -hmm. um, my guess is the the rest isn't costing you anywhere near what they're paying for the ones they're overbidding on and and even though you might have to do a little more reconditioning you you probably would end up in them better yeah than I'm just thinking. Yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. I hear you. And this is interesting with this certain company because they're also, besides leaning into the used car market, they're also expanding their presence in the collision center and vehicle repair um, business, which we know is a huge moneymaker. Yes. Yeah. A big, big money maker, especially during this market and during these times, whenever there are so many used uh, vehicles on the road right now with 
I don't know, they're older, higher mileage, they need repair. And as well as an I as a finance manager, I found this interesting that they just announced the acquisition of a company called DCC Hale, which is a paintless dent repair company specializing in um, hail damage mm-hmm. on vehicles. So they're really, I mean, they're making some acquisitions. They're growing. They're throwing a lot of money into expansion and growth. Well, and trying to find additional streams of revenue yes. uh, above and beyond just selling new and used cars, uh, which which makes sense. Um, and and to me, what made sense is that they looked at their their inventory position and said we own it for way too much in comparison to market conditions. And let's let's just take the write off. I mean, there's tax implications. There's savings there tax wise mm-hmm. for doing that. I mean, it is a loss. Um, so you, you can use that against paying taxes in the future. Um, and I just think, I, I honestly believe that, that your large public groups in the states are doing the same things. Um, even a lot of them, I mean, you know, the people that I worked for at the mini store, we, every, every car that we traded or any car that we bought, there was... I want to say an extra $500 that got attached to it. And it was for, um, in case we had the right vehicles down so that, that, you know, we, we built up this giant ass pot of Uh extra dollars that we could use to write down cars that we bought for too much, or we've sat on for too long and we needed to lower the values of them in order to be able to sell them. Interesting. So, I think a lot of the smarter dealers still do things like that. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, I, I, I'm, I'm projecting, but I think what we see out of, out of auto Canada is what we're going to see more and more dealer groups doing in the States. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was, that was pretty interesting my, myself. And, um, and, and, and I'm going to share one more thing with you and you haven't okay. seen this yet, but I just, yeah. it, it came in not too long ago. <clears throat> Excuse me. Share. And this is the black book data for this past week. Okay. Okay. And, and you haven't seen this, but wholesale prices have continued to go up dramatically. Now, <clears throat> I know Mannheim has suggested that in February there was a 4.3% increase in wholesale values, which is a staggering amount Yeah, in one month. It you is. Know, you, you extrapolate that out, that's 48% over the course of a year. Um, we've seen that kind of happen two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I would hope that we don't have a repeat of something like that. But you can see here the car segment sure. went up can you almost share your half a point. And, and the truck segment went up three-tenths of a point. The overall market went up uh, 35 basis points or, or uh, 3.5, however you say it. <laughs> my, my, yeah. my point is if, if you look at the overall market historically – 2017 to 2019 in this week there would actually have been a drop of of that amount so that that a swing in the opposite direction of the same amount means that 
in comparison to what we had seen in 2017 and two through 2019, it's, it's a seven tenths of a percent increase in what we're seeing happening to wholesale values. And that's crazy staggering number. It is. Why? Dealers are bidding up these cars um, in a crazy fashion. I mean, literally paying retail numbers and over retail numbers in in order to uh, in in order to get these vehicles. So um, I, I don't know if that I ever is. really shared the screen, so <clears throat> or stop sharing here. So it it's we're seeing. The same type of situation we saw two years ago. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Which it should be the opposite right now. Typically it is. Um, and and I rem- uh, yesterday I was having an email conversation with a, a good friend of the channel, What's the Matter You? Um, What's the Matter You? And, and we were talking about the market. And, and, you know, when I was driving home yesterday, I was thinking to myself, I have never in my lifetime seen a used car market like what we're seeing today or what we've seen for the past three years for that matter. Um, and I, you know, I, I, I always rely on historical data and, mm-hmm. and you know, what's happened in the past because I think that's a, typically a good guideline as to what's going to happen in the future. But as I admitted to what's the matter you, um, I'm thinking that maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe what we're seeing, unfortunately, is the new normal. Oh, man, I was afraid you were going to say that. I was afraid you were going to say new normal. Well, I, I hope it's not. But I do too, but doesn't it? I, I often ask myself the very same question, right? I'm sure other people do too. Like, is this ever going to... I think the answer is no, it's not ever going to go back, but geez, is it going to come back a little bit? Just a, well, a little bit. you know, I, I did, I did hear from our dear friend, Brandon at car questions answered um, <clears throat> that some of the dealers he knows, they are not seeing a spike in, in sales due to tax refund season, the way they thought they would. Right. Which right. Was something that I had thought was going to happen. So if if that continues to be the case, then maybe we'll see some of this craziness come to an end. If tax season sales are not nearly as robust as what dealers had expected, they will end up having extra cars that they paid too much money for, um, and they will be forced to lower the prices of them in order to get rid of them. That's what I thought, too. And I think we talked about this maybe a couple of Fridays ago about tax season. It's not going to be. It just isn't what we, you and I, would have been used to, right? Yes. During during this time, like, okay, it's time to ramp up. We've been through our January, February lull. Um, <clears throat> but it's just not going to be that this year. So. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I. I fear this could be the new normal. I hope it's not. I, I hope that maybe if tax season isn't as robust as people would hope it would be, that we will will see uh, wholesale values and retail values uh, inching backwards. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I'm hopeful, but 
I, you know, I, I don't know what to, I am baffled and befuddled uh, based on 43 years in the business of what I see going on. And I, mm-hmm. and I don't know how to explain it and I don't know how to account for it. And yeah. people I talk to that, that have spent years and years in the business feel the same way. It's, it's, it's like, maybe we've just been around it too long and we don't know what, what the business is anymore. I, I well, don't that's, know. That's quite a thought, isn't it? That's quite a thought because that means that the next generation uh, that goes into the business, well, it's just going to be nothing like what you and I grew up with <laughs> as far as dealership world is concerned. But I yeah. like, this, I, I like this from Igor Ray. It's going to go back quite a bit down. Trust me. Trust I me. hope okay. Igor, I hope you're right. Uh, I mean, that's what I would have thought, but I, I am just so baffled and befuddled by what we see uh, mm. week in and week out at the auctions and, and, and what's going on in the market that it's, it's so hard to tell. Believe it or not, Kimberly, I have another yes. show I have to do in about. I know you minutes. do. I know you do. You're going to ha- head on over to yes, Car Edge Electric. Car Edge Electric. We're now on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So um, it's time for us to bid adieu to our friends yes. here today. And those who, who want to see Justice and I having a conversation in about 15 minutes, join us at Car Edge Electric. In the meantime... Thank you, Kimberly, for co-hosting today. Thank you um, for having me. I, I believe my son will actually be back and joining us tomorrow. So we'll be back here tomorrow at noon with more news that you can use from Car Edge. Um, and, uh, well, please join us in. Thanks, everybody, and have a great day. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Bye-bye.